Hello and welcome to none of that, please. All right, you can do it if you want. No, I'm good. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the White Deer Filmmaking Podcast. No, start again. <laughs> none of that. It's just, you went straight to the hello and welcome to. Go on, just do it. Go on. <laughs> I mean, we can be a bit unprofessional in take two. That's fine. Come on, let's go through it. Hello and welcome to the White Deer Filmmaking Podcast. Today is another episode in the CWR series, the Conviction Without Remorse series, uh, where we are joined by Jamie, who did the music for the film. Hello. And, hello. Hello. And Hamish, who mixed the audio for the film. Hello. Hamish is going to be our guest host today, interviewing Jamie. Um, and me and Al are here uh, to chip in with some insightful information i guess a couple of comments here and there moral support moral support yeah, yeah. ideal yeah. i dig it all right Do you so we just take it away yeah. going straight into it yeah Hi, uh, Amish. hey mate um well i guess i may as well just start asking about your upbringing in music Oof. we've just so listeners are aware context we've worked a lot together in the past jamie's in a band that i make records for Past five years we've been doing yeah, stuff about, together. Yeah, about five years doing, uh, just making records together. So I'm very familiar with everything Jamie. Um, but for those of you that aren't, and to be fair, there's probably some stuff I haven't quite learned yet because normally there's four other blokes and one woman in this room as this well is true. making records and there's a lot of noise. Too much. So, yeah, I really just wanted to ask because I don't even think I know one when you started writing and making music or had an interest in it and two <clears throat> I know that you play guitar as your first instrument but was that always your first instrument or have you come to guitar through another avenue mm. so I started off playing classical guitar when I was around eight years old I think I got my first like acoustic guitar from my grandma it was a lovely birthday or Christmas present or something and it was literally it was a red guitar called a J Junior and I was like oh my god it's got my initials on it it's definitely <laughs> going to be like my whole thing um, but yeah and then from there I sort of like started on acoustic but you know how kids are and they're like oh it hurts my fingers a bit let's just move to classical nylon strings and so from there I actually learned classical from there forward and then until I reached grade eight and I did my grade eight and then finished that when I was about 17, 18. I can't remember. So you did, it was, you were classically trained. Absolutely. You were taking lessons and doing Yeah, yeah. Grade, taking yeah. lessons until I was grade three. And then I think I moved school. I think I was going up to secondary school or whatever. And then I got private tutors. One private tutor from them. Anthony Pig, if you're watching, you're my dude. Uh, he got me to grade eight which was pretty fab. And then I learned a bunch of other classical guitar nonsense around that, not just doing the grades and stuff, but that was cool. And I think that gave me my entryway into just one, writing things, and two, just being sort of semi, semi-proficient semi at guitar. So is there, a, there must be a crossover period between you playing and learning and doing the grades on classical to transitioning to writing and recording on electric because we met and you must have only been... 19 or so i think i was 20 yeah and so you, i was 20 yeah so you there's must have been a period there because redwood had been a band yeah so i got I my i got my first electric guitar when i was around 13 or 12 i can't remember and it was actually no hang on i got a terrible ibanez 
with a Floyd Rose uh, when I was like 11 or 12. And then about a year later, I got my first proper Fender, white Mexican Telecaster, incredible, still good to this day. And from there, obviously I started getting into all the all the good bits of music, all the sort of punky rock stuff, indie. And I think from there, I, I, I was never usually the sort of person to learn songs. You know how people are like, oh, I learned ACDC back in black yesterday. I was never that kid. I always just wrote whatever I just fiddled about too much because I, I knew probably a bit more than other people knew, not to brag. I knew a bit more through classical guitar and stuff. Yeah. So I was always just noodling, doing my own random stuff rather than just learning crappy songs, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Which I suppose almost allows you to kind of learn a bit more proficiently as a player, but I suppose at the same time that kind of leads yeah, on to... I think it definitely helped me. Normally quite a lot of the people that I've worked with in production, making records for and stuff, a lot of their songwriting ability comes through learning through learning other songs when they were kids. Yeah. So was there something that got you into songwriting or was it just one of those things that you were just able to do? I don't know. I literally, as soon as I got my acoustic guitar as an eight-year-old or whatever, I went straight on to like learning the first basic chords and then from there, not wanting to learn any songs and just playing about and starting to write little bits myself. Right. I think it was always a case of that. I'd always been doing that. For sure. Even before I got the guitar, I would just sing little... I was an annoying child and I just <laughs> sang to my parents and just was just writing little little, little bits, bits here and there, yeah. So, But then I got into proper, proper music creation when I'd started to learn about Reason, Propellerhead's Reason software, yeah. um, when I started in year nine, so I would have been 13. So were you doing some sort of like technology or production course in music Yeah, well, GCSE? No, yeah, so like obviously we had the classical music element of music GCSE and then we had the technology element which was learning through Reason and Cubase, right. that sort of thing. But then Reason really struck with me because it was all... And at this point I was in that sort of mentality where, ah, oh, rock music is everything. I want proper guitars, I want proper drums, I want everything to sound like someone's playing an instrument. And I'd never sort of listen to, oh, that synthesizer rubbish, you know yeah. what I mean? I'd never listen to dance music or whatever. As soon as I'd learn about Reason, love to dance music, yeah. love so electronic music. For those of you that don't know, Reason is uh, audio making software that, as I mean, to be honest, I, it's not my forte, you'd be able to explain more, but based on what I've used of it, it's much more hands-on in regards to making signal paths work and so yeah. you, you kind of build you can choose your own it. yeah you can choose your own signal paths audio paths and like it's got like its own patch bays on each interior rack either it being audio effects or an actual vst instrument yeah or like i i seem to remember there being like a whole like oscillator bank that you could you could yep. pull into it as well and then you could make sound that's on certain um synths within it like right, you've got okay. wavetables for days it's yeah complex as hell but if you're into music technology definitely check it out if you so I suppose, it's incredible i mean as a as a producer and an engineer that's like for me where my taste kind of changed on it because we had it at college when i was doing music tech and yeah it, it, like synthesis and and that kind of like didn't interest mul- you as much no it wasn't so much that it didn't interest me i just don't have the the brain sort of like functionality to yeah. follow that that kind sure. of thing like i can set up a recording studio and I'm quite happy to do that and I know how all the signal paths work here and how to keep them clean and concise. See, I feel like I'm the opposite. You know all that and I know all the tech, not tech, the electronic stuff. stuff. Yeah, Yeah. so, which I suppose actually leads... The more physics-y stuff. ...needs kind of nicely into the score for this film. Yeah. Because when I met you, 
so I met Jamie when his band supported my old band at a festival. Um, so my understanding of Jamie was that he was a guitarist in a band that I really liked. Um, Which never so, happens for him, Jason. Well, it didn't at the time, yeah. So they were like kind of the revolutionary band for me at the time. So I very quickly wanted to be involved in what they were doing and I kind of offered my services as a producer and then we're here now. But Now we're married with kids. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, three charming little girls. Oh, that'd be so nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, but it wasn't until we did the first EP and he sent me a bunch of demos of the songs and he was like, oh yeah, and there's all this electronic stuff in there. And I was like, huh? Because all I'd, to that point, all I'd experienced all was, you knew was just you, the natural seeing you playing guitar. Yeah. yeah. And so then when you kind of came up and you started talking about all the, the, the software synthesizers and everything that you were using to create these sounds, I kind of saw this entirely different way that like person and the an approach to writing music. And so mm. I suppose when it came to being asked to do this, were you always kind of set on, on making the sounds like that in regards to it being more digitized and more kind of computer based and more, like less obvious instrumentation. Do you know what I mean? Like if you think of a film score, if most people think of yeah, a film score, it's all they're going to think of, of like Hans Zimmer doing all these yeah. strings and orchestras or they're going to think of John Williams and, and the same sort of thing. But Well, I think that's a new thing that's sort of come into the whole sort of film scoring thing in the past 10 years, let's say, where more and more uh, musicians slash composers are looking into the digital ways of thinking and not just sticking to the classical stuff like your violins and your orchestras. Yeah. Um, I never really gave that a thought. I was just like, right, I know what I want to do for those bits. I'm going to do it with these instruments. I, I didn't really sort of think about, oh, maybe that sound better with a guitar. Maybe that sound better with a synth. It's just I heard it with those things straight away and yeah. I didn't really think about doing it a different way. Okay, and then I suppose on the other side of that is, and this is kind of more in involving you guys, is was there any predetermined direction or were you kind of just like go right whatever you want and if it works great and if we're not sure about it then we'll readdress you gave me like a sort of sheet of things you gave me like times of where the the music should be and that's yeah. what sort of, I sort of stuck to and you gave little bits of direction about how the music should sound maybe tonally but yeah. that was it which is pretty nice I enjoyed how yeah. sort of loose it was I don't so think it gave you the the scope to then play around much more and, yeah. and bring your own unique spin to those scenes um, which obviously, end result was was very good. <laughs> I don't think necessarily we had like. Well, obviously, it's more your domain, Al, than mine. But um, uh, but as like the post production supervisor, I kind of was the uh, person pulling these kind of things together. So I'd, I don't think we had um, much of an idea at necessarily what it needed to sound like. Completely like whether one bit. I think you might have said something about um, like a piano-y kind of thing, but I think we were uh, you were quite open at that stage. I think um, and and it was I think for the film for all of our parts uh, it was quite instinctive as well. So it made sense, I guess, for Jamie to continue that on with the music as well and and come up with what he thought because just as you were describing it then. Um, on like hearing what you thought it could be and then 
that's what you tried to make. Yeah. Um, that is quite similar to how we viewed the visuals as well in the in the film. So it's yeah, kind it's of nice to hear it? that. You want to stick to what you your gut feeling was at first rather than sort of overthink it and mm. come up with something you're not happy with. I think that creatively, that's definitely something that I went in in my role of making records as well. Like I always try and encourage the artist to do as well. I think it's, you know, I think unfortunately and fortunately in like modern day technology, you can always command Z or you can yeah. do a thousand takes of something and, you know, and then decide actually that that's not the part that you want there at all. You can just do something else and you can kind of mute that or get rid of it, which is... Which is great which unless is you're amazing. a perfectionist. Right, and it's amazing in so many ways and at the same time it's kind of like it very quickly you lose the magic of of that like yeah. that initial kind of like oh wow that was really cool and then you're kind of like oh maybe I can get it better but like the reality is you, you probably can't get it better like the reason you all loved it is because the rawness and the realness of it happening there and then was kind of what it yeah. was so there was definitely loads of that in in the acting as well I think wasn't there there was I think that's yeah. a good thing yeah in it's definitely a more real performance isn't it yeah I think so especially like with uh, Rita's character Brooke as well um like a lot of those things were kind of like first or maybe second take as well. So, um, but I think in that sense as well, like <laughs> you're not overthinking the emotion at all. You know, the, the emotion is much more kind of like apparent and this goes through like acting and writing and filming and all sorts of other stuff, you know, like you're kind of just setting up for what you think is the right way of doing it. And ultimately for the most part, that probably is the right way of doing it. Yeah. You know, like you, your experience tells you that that's going to be the right thing to do and then you do it. And I I find that, like, ultimately, you know, like, a lot of the stuff that we just did on your record mm. has kind of gone that way for me, like, going back through and, and mixing it and stuff. And when I was doing all of that, you know, I ended up, you know, we did, like, maybe six or seven takes of vocals and I'd end up going back to take one or two and just kind of using those because... Because they're always the most visceral Yeah, they're, the, like they're that, the most yeah. real and the most, like, true to the story that's being tried... Yeah. you know, being told within those lyrics or whatever it might I think, be in. Yeah, I think even, like, uh, even if it's not necessarily the right way, it's, like, the most honest yeah. way what comes out first. I yeah. feel like it's kind of the most artistic, you know, it's the one that has the most character built into it because it's the one that probably has the most Passion wrong, wrong it, bits so. in it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like people see things being, like, wrong as being bad and i i think ultimately you know it's a vulnerability of, thing yeah as like a visual or a or an audio thing actually those are the things that really make it feel much more real real and much more close to you as a viewer or as a consumer of that thing so um i think yeah like you know you saying that you kind of had these ideas in your head and then you just kind of following with them is what that's i mean that's what i was just thinking about like you say I'm primarily a guitar player, but I think most of the music that I wrote for this score is all piano-based. A yeah. lot of it is piano or synth-based. Was there any physical instruments on there? I think maybe guitar bits, but way back in the background, like Hamish will know that I play around with reverb a lot, and what I like to do is pad out backgrounds with ambience that I've made just going ham on a guitar, but just reverbing it the hell up and making it sound like it's not a guitar. It just sounds like a pad or something. That is in a lot of the stuff, but it's never really actual guitar playing. It's just effects sort of mm. thing. And a lot of it was, like we were saying, instinctual. I was like, this is kind of an emotional story. I want to head straight for the piano, as cliche as that kind of sounds. Yeah. But it really works for the story being told. 
because it's a it's a bit it's like hard hitting in places and it's kind of soft and tender in other places and it just really needed that like piano touch. So that's a pretty good segue into what I wanted to talk about as well in regards to the like how you go about or how in this instance you've gone about writing music to fit around certain bits of dialogue and certain mm. scenes within the film. So, I mean, there's a couple of scenes that spring to my mind which we can address, but, I mean, if you just want to try and talk about or explain yeah, how you... Because I'm assuming you were like... Obviously, oh, you were like... Oh, that's all right. <laughs> Apologies. Professional audio, man. Yeah, you were obviously that's not like, ASMR, <laughs> I'm assuming you were watching it and composing at the same time. Yeah. And so... Rewatching scenes dozens and dozens of times until right. I got the actual feel for it. And is it... Was it this... Was this a case of you... You'd watch it and not have... And not be making any sound yourself? You'd just be watching it? Until yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Or were you watching it and, like, tinkling and then, like... No, I mean, I don't necessarily know how proper... Not proper, this is this is proper. Uh, how actual sort of film composers like Hans Zimmer do it. They probably work with the director as they're shooting or something. Right which is wicked. Um, but in this case, obviously, I was given the, the video, um, you came the to film. You once we had a rough edit together full, sort of thing, yeah. 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 Which the I first. quite liked because I'm happy that you, you obviously had your preconceived ideas about what sort of music would go there, but you gave it to me as a sort of blank canvas in terms of here's a rough edit, here's a rough cut. Did it still have temp music on at that stage? I think it might Oh, it did. Done. Yeah, it did. And mm. I... I, I Apologies, didn't use any of that as guidance. No, yeah, <laughs> oh, that's that's helpful yeah. as well because you could get like stuck to it, and and mm. also as uh, as oh us yeah, because well. I what I did was I just muted it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like I'd obviously listened to it a bunch of times just to get the dialogue and to see where the sort of key bits of dialogue were, uh, but apart from that, I muted it and just watched it and thought, okay, what's happening there? What's his facial expressions? Blah blah blah, and then sort of worked from that, which kind of sounds odd. But did I send? I might have sent you like an export without the music as well, with that track muted. Maybe. I can't remember. That sounds like it would have been helpful. Yeah, that would have been helpful, Adam. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, so I mean, is it, so it is just a case of you watching and re-watching and, and yeah. kind of assessing like whatever the ideas were that you had in your in your head, like kind of seeing whether they'd fit with those things. Or yeah, for sure. And kind of going in that direction. I think I... I mean, apart from one track, I think that we decided that we didn't think fit too much. I went with all my first ideas. Yeah. And I don't know. It kind of, not to sound cliche again, but it did kind of come naturally from just watching it going, okay, so that needs to happen there. Let's start with, I was just thinking about with some chords and I was like, oh, that chord sounds good for that because it's sad, blah, blah, blah. The way I think about the actual music is that the music should tell the story on its own, regardless of the video, but together they work yeah. in tandem and it works perfectly. So in my head, I was sort of, you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one would have known as well. I know, yeah. sorry. He hit, the, he hit the mic. <laughs> um, so I was kind of, I watched it as sort of a reference, as a guide, and then I was like, right, I can make a piece here that would fit perfectly, but also it could tell its own story if it wanted to, sort of thing. And then other bits was just like, right, this is doesn't need to be a whole kind of song or track kind of thing. It can just be a bed. And then when, I think the bit where, I can't remember the names of the characters, I'm sorry. The Rook. two the two men uh, are, are talking. There's It's kind of not too heavy on the piano or 
like melodic instrument side, there's like a bed of a synth going in the background and it's kind of just building tension. Yeah. Until there's that kind of climactic bit where Dominic, yes, Dominic reveals that they're having a baby or whatever and I think then drums come in. I can't quite remember. Yeah. And so you're you're writing that in order to to basically play around the vocal. Yeah, to, to, play to play around, around the, the story aspects. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, the dialogue, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, so you mentioned something about things like this chord's good because it the dialogue is sad or whatever it might be, but are you are you writing with this this might sound really stupid it, it, and it could be, but I don't think it My answer's going to be worse, I bet you. No, I doubt it. But are you writing with musical theory in mind, or are you... You are? Absolutely not. Right, okay. Cool. So <laughs> you are, you no. are, you're kind of just hammering out chords, and you kind of know in terms of, like, whether it should be minor or diminished or augmented or whatever, or major. Hamish. <laughs> no. Oh, okay, right. So you are literally just playing it until it sounds right, basically, to you. To an extent, but I know, like, if I... My theory is trash, but I know how chords are like. How say, I, say together. I've got a C chord, yeah, and then I know what route I can go down to make it happy, make it sad. Right. You obviously a major and minors, and I know how like in terms of the story that was presented visually, I could hear the visuals and I could hear where the chords were going. Sounds ridiculous. No, I think that's totally fair enough. And I could hear that it was using certain chord patterns, like a chord phrase, and I knew it was meant to go in those sort of places, and I could tinker around with it insofar as I knew what sort of notes would sound good with certain notes and stuff, but I couldn't tell you what chords I was using. I couldn't no, tell so you. So it's more, you're, sort of you're essentially, you have like, the only way I can really describe this is that you, if you were visualizing it, you had like a set of building blocks in, in a, you know, in, in a, like a descending pattern or a, or a certain pattern or whatever it might be. And yeah. then you, you know, let's say you knew that your starting chord, as you mentioned, was like a C chord. You can kind of visualize that, you know, on it's going to go, everything needs to go down in this point. Yeah. For example, if the, if the melody and the harmony are going downwards, mm -hmm. then you kind of, from that point, you can take that initial C chord and you can then just add in I'll the think about that, that subconsciously, of, but I'll hear it. I'll right. hear where it needs to go, but right. I won't actively think, oh, that needs to go, it needs to descend there. Yeah. But I'll, it probably is in the back of my mind, but yeah. I'll just do it. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I, I'm just... I it sounds so, kind of like, like it. No, I think it's cheaty. totally fair enough. You know what I mean? I don't think it is. I think it's one of those things, like, it. it's the same with, to a certain extent, it's the same with me when I mix records as well, or mix audio, is that, You know like, when you can just hear where it's meant to go next? Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, if I know that there's a chorus coming up in a song, and I need to expand from the pre-chorus or the verse into that chorus like you'll know what I, to put there I don't to... necessarily have to even think theoretically yeah. about it I just there's just something that's like yeah. well, that's what needs to happen there and I'm exactly the same in that extent but I think it, it just sounds like such a cheat way to talk about it it's like oh, oh is it kind of like instinct guys is yeah that kind of I think so yeah. yeah sort of like there's a musical instinct yeah you, you, you interpret what say. you see and can fit um, the music around that and like you were saying Jamie the music does need to tell the story on oh, its for own sure. as well. Yeah. I think the music tell almost tells the audience what how to, what to feel. feel. That's supposed yeah, to feel. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's so it's so cool that like um that it's quite similar to how we were working on the visuals as well. Mm -hmm. And is. this is kind of the first film 
the first of your films, Al, uh, that you've had someone score in it. Yeah, um, And I worked with Hamish on uh, on a project was that nearly a couple of years ago years now, ago, I guess. I think, yeah. And um, so I'd had some experience, but again, I, we just worked in the same way that I chucked it over to you and yeah. then you just did something and we didn't talk too much about it. I just let you do it kind of thing. But I think that's also... Um, Sums up your in, relationship well. <laughs> in having like... Uh, this this conversation as well and in having conversations since I think um, potentially next time round we'd probably know a bit more what to what conversations to have at the start because I don't think uh, we knew kind of or you, I guess you knew what you wanted Al but you didn't necessarily know how, what where the conversation had to go to actually get to that point yeah. I suppose there's a there's an element of, and obviously I don't know your kind of background in in music or music theory or musical instrumentation or anything of that nature. But I suppose there's almost a sense of, unless you, can I have another beat? Unless you know exactly what it is that you're looking for sonically and you can describe that vocally, i.e., you know, if you knew that you wanted an oboe in a part, mm-hmm. then you can say, oh, I really like the idea of having an oboe in this, or if yeah. you wanted like a honky-tonk or whatever, but unless you know <laughs> what those things are and know how they sound, it's very hard to kind of explain that. Yeah. So I suppose... And I don't be- think we, either of us necessarily know those bits to of what to ask for. No, but I suppose the beauty is, is that like you have, in this instance as well, you know, both had you turned to Jamie or myself and said, oh we really like that this kind of something. sound yeah. and describe the sound. There's a very good chance that myself or Jamie could have been like, right. Well, yeah, it's, it's the yeah. same way that like that me and Al have worked together um, on a few films now. And I think at the start, it was probably the same kind of thing. Like you knew exactly how you wanted it to be, but, uh, but we weren't talking the same language yet, or we <laughs> didn't have that kind of like shorthand. Catch. And then, yeah, you you get to the stage where you where you do have a bit of that shorthand, and you do know. Um, and we don't need to speak the same lang- language, I don't think, like no. uh, me and you with directing and cinematography. No. But it's, again, it's like the same. instinctive thing again, isn't yeah. it? It's like yeah. we can sort of know we're on the similar kind of page, and I can just sort of take it from there and go right. It definitely needs that in my mind. Yeah, you're like, yeah, perfect. I or, think there's no. also some there's some beauty in the fact that that you're not speaking the same language yeah. and that, you know, like in the same way that we were talking about with, with like a guide track, if you've put guide music in, then there's no, you know, that's just going to influence someone that listens to it either positively or negatively. And ultimately what you don't want is them to go, Oh, well that's what they put in. So I'll just imitate that closely, but put my own spin on it. What you mm. really want. And is you don't someone... want the director to get tied to, get, to that right, as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. So, you know, the one thing that you, you know... Which you is why I was concerned when you actually sent me the video with, with the guide, with the guide track. Yeah. And I was but like, oh, are actually other, wanting yeah. that completely? The other yeah. side of that as well is, I think you, Al, as an editor, uh, like to edit something to music. So yes. it's it's hard to, like, what what comes first. You need something there first. Kind of the edit yeah. probably wouldn't have been an edit if it didn't have some kind of music and maybe there's yep. kind of some sense in having some music done before you edit in in some way but that then sounds exciting because it gives wouldn't... you a sort of um 
a template to work from, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah, but, but then, template I, I, and also like a, a tempo. Do you know what I mean? Like it kind of, which oh. it, it, it does. You know what I mean? Like it's it's tough to, I, like I struggle to imagine how it must be for someone editing a silent film. You know, because it's one informs the other as far as I'm, you know, as as a consumer of of film and everything else, like. I always feel like when you're watching it, you know, the music very much informs the visual yeah, and the visual very much informs the music. And so therefore, if you lost one of them, it would be very... like. Imagine, imagine how imagine easy Edgar Wright had it on right. Baby Driver but when imagine, the whole score he chose beforehand. Yeah, but, but the, Right, but then flip that on its head. Imagine how hard it is to then edit a film no, yeah. to a... To nothing. Sorry, imagine how hard it is to score a film to nothing. You know, you're... You're just given. Oh yeah, no, no. Oh, you need to fill an hour and a half worth of music. Well, that's why I said God. at the start, where like Hans Zimmer <laughs> must have that direct sort of say he's on a new Christopher Nolan film. He yeah. must have that direct information. Like, oh, okay, Christopher's like, right, we're gonna do this scene. It's gonna involve loads of choppy cuts in my head. I'm thinking we yeah. want some choppy music. Yeah. And Hans is like, yeah, I'm on it. Well, it's the same as there's a there's an interview on uh, I can't remember which which would be DVD lit, by the way. bonus thing it is, but there's a there's a Tim Burton and Danny Elfman interview where they're talking about how when Tim Burton is starting to make a film and write it and kind of put it together and storyboard it, that's when he has Danny Elfman come down to the studio. Yeah, where that's the storyboarding, it. And then it's like, it? yeah. this is the story and this is kind of the idea that I've got. And then Danny Elfman has the entire process of creating that film to write music. And so it can be sick. any amount of music as much as he wants or as little as he wants. And then he just keeps sending tracks through to Tim Burton and Tim Burton goes, yeah, no, love that. I'm going to work that in. The film's now changed because you sent me that five minutes of music or whatever it might be. Hey, Al, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's this has that. a plan, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it is just the, the closer that you can get both of those things because they do interact so massively with each other. But it's the same with anything in film as well. Uh, I know that we've had conversations, Al, like since um, about the sa- that same sentiment, but everything else in the film as well so it's kind of like the the quicker that you can get in contact with the with the person that's going to do whatever it is set design cinematography makeup like it's everything the the more the closer that you can get and and the more kind of uh the more time that you can spend with that person to yep. to talk it over and everything um, to get on the, the same better. page together, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So and you, at least that way you, you've all kind of got a an end goal that you're trying to achieve, yeah. and you all start you do start to understand everybody's kind of visual concept, and so therefore you all have something to move towards. Um, How do you think then your uh, your contribution to the film Hamish the yeah, Hamish. mix um, plays into that? Because it's somewhat of a I don't know is it somewhat of a different. Um, skill set that you're uh, because you're not writing music but you are editing sound creating yeah. the whole mix I suppose it's it's slightly different in that like, what did you do specifically within within <laughs> the note uh, yeah note that down <laughs> no, no, um, but what did you do what did you do so a lot I mean a lot of it is normally like with with me and mixing is typically I'm mixing music you know finished projects or tracks or songs or whatever it might be so I'm still making creative choices in that instance. So, you know, like whether you're putting a certain type of reverb or echo or whatever effect or whatever it might be, or you're using compression in a certain way to 
get a certain emotion across in an instrument or you know you're and you're doing these micro adjustments to things to develop like as much emotion out of that one thing as possible so i suppose in that sense it's kind of similar you are still trying to Except you're not really trying to develop the emotion because the emotion's already there. Through you're the, trying to put the emotion the in a certain place. Yeah, you're well, you're to you're trying to emphasize it. Emphasize yeah. it. That's the word I'm looking for. And I think a lot of it is um, entirely dependent on what you're given in the first place. You yeah. know, so like there were a couple of areas within the actual audio that I received that I was mixing in with it, which were like problem areas, for lack of a better way of putting it, which unfortunately are kind of just the way it goes with some of the locations that the film was set in so yeah, there was a whole the whole kind of first half of the film is the in the the cells which is a it's a brick room or it's a concrete room you know so there's nothing about that is it's just reflect like audio wise when like someone speaks within the cell it's just reflections upon reflections yeah, it's on like the there's the walls. literally nowhere worse to record dialogue <laughs> important dialogue there couldn't be anywhere worse so like <laughs> write that out note that down yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so in that sense you know the the very first thing that i had to do is is figure out where those individuals like voices frequencies were within a frequency spectrum and then try and eliminate as much around that as possible while still maintaining the fact that they were in a jail cell you know so like you're trying to remove the fact that they're in a jail cell while still showing that they're in a jail cell like it'd be the weirdest thing if they were in the jail cell and it it had the softest yeah yeah, the perfect audio so like but obviously at the same time if you just left it as was and then started and using any kind of compression or anything of that nature that that affects the the overall dynamic level of that recording, you then also are just bringing up the level of everything around it. So it's it's essentially like a juggling act of filtering out frequencies that are causing problems and taking away the focus from the vocal whilst trying to boost the vocal, but in boosting the vocal, you're also boosting everything else. So you're constantly like battling yourself to try and get somewhere that's yeah. usable. And like I'm sure as all of us know as anybody that's ever watched a film there's nothing worse than watching something and not really being able to hear the dialogue when it's probably quite important and um, we had a very similar situation to that the other day didn't we yeah yeah (laughs) so there's um there's a lot of that and then on top of that you then have the music to contend with as well trying to fit the music around the vocal and in this film you've got kind of two major well three major male vocals and that frequency sits like the a male vocal sits in a very specific frequency range. And then you also have Brooke, who is the female character, and then female vocals sit in a very specific frequency range. Yeah. So what you're constantly trying to do is automate the equalization that you're doing on everything so that when a man or a male actor is speaking, it's dipping out frequencies in the music and the the rest of the kind of room sound so that their vocal pops out over the top. And also what you're trying to not do is move so many frequencies in the other music that you're losing important bits of the music whilst and then you know and then the woman will start talking you have to do the same thing with the woman and then bring the male bit back up and you've got to kind of it's just constantly doing this so basically tip your audio editors because they do a bloody tough job yeah and you know it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world but it you know it's 
when it's like anything when you're experienced at it and you kind of know where certain things are like i'm lucky now that i've recorded and worked on so much audio that i i kind of so much dynamic audio as well such differing yeah things. and you and, and also you know you just start to understand where frequency ranges are in that like yeah. you know i know where certain male frequency ranges are and i know where female ones are in the same way that i know like where a snare drum is and where a this is and that Go on, is. off the top so of your head snare drum frequency 200 hertz is all the body oh muddy as hell it's not that's 250 hertz man. there you go and uh, he knows the stuff yeah so in that sense there's a lot of that and then obviously the last thing that you want to do is with the score is is put it in a place where it's it kind of loses the point of having the score in the whole in the first place you know and there's there's a very fine line between for me anyway between it being very score heavy and then you're kind of removing the importance of the dialogue slightly because they're almost sitting at the same level against being not score heavy enough and really the score is kind of there and it's a bit like eh, you know it could be you don't want the score to just be. sit on top yeah and you, you also don't just want it to sit somewhere in, too beneath, in the yeah. sort of background where no one's really hearing it and it's not really generating the emotion that you want exactly so, it's not sort of coinciding with the dialogue and right exactly with the visuals yeah and it's and one so of those kind of like awkward jobs where um if, if you do a bad job it's very very visible yeah but if uh, well, visible is probably. And if not you do a good a job, they won't notice either, which yeah, is yeah. perfect. But, but the your point job is, is that you're if no one notices, to make it not noticeable. Yeah, right? that's the whole point of. A if no one's, music. if no one mentions the mix, then you've probably done a good job. Yeah, yeah. But that's then the it best, gets that's the general kind of rule of thumb yeah. with that, isn't it? Which is hilarious because when you talk to someone, and you're like, yeah, I mean. I did this. Did you notice like, how clean the mix was? Yeah, right. You know, like <laughs> you never hear that. If someone comes out of film and someone's like, "Oh, did you enjoy the score?" and they're like, "Oh, I never heard it. I didn't even notice it." Like that's the best yeah, review you can literally. get as a score writer mm. or or a mix engineer is that like the didn't fact that notice. they didn't notice it meant that it was written so well for it and then mixed so well for it that it was very much there and it created the emotion that it was supposed to, but they just yeah. didn't even realize it was happening. That's common with like all of our jobs as well. Yeah, like if we can take a step back and stand out the way of the viewer, the listener, whatever, then we're doing our jobs properly. If yeah. if we put anything in there to trip the viewer or the listener up, then they're going to notice. And yeah. we've kind of Unless failed. It's fully intentional, but that's yeah. a rarity. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, the whole thing is just a constant juggling act. And then I think as well, like, as you guys will know from your side, you know, like you're working with numerous different people that all have, of like a, a high like a high detailed skill set that very much is like you know it's their own little bubble of skills and yeah there are some crossover points but ultimately you know like as a score writer obviously you also mix all your own scores and stuff which is amazing try but to yeah. yeah but and then you send all of that to a guy that mixes audio but doesn't really write an awful lot of audio so you know like there's elements the, where yeah. we then have to kind of work together. It's a bit of a conflict. And then sometimes. at the same time, you know, like there's conflicts between a director and a DOP and there's conflicts between, you know, whatever the it might be. The audio recorder and say the audio editor. Right, exactly. Yeah. So you're constantly trying to juggle all of these elements and, yeah. and it's one of the hardest things to just constantly like And you've just got to find that happy, happy medium. That yeah. yeah, it's a really, really and tough thing to do. And that's the director's job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice one, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah. But my, my last question is... Is there anything, having gone through the process now, that, and avoiding all the kind of like obvious things like being involved from the start, like that's a pretty obvious thing that you'd like yeah. to be involved in, but is there anything yeah, you well. would approach differently? <laughs> so, if given the same scenario where a film's been 
shot and primarily like let's say 80 or 70 percent cut and it's you know that close to completion and then you're given the film to write a score to is there any way that you would approach that differently based on how you approach this one and how it's come out or would you still just go on the basis of like watching it the by the way there's no wrong answer no no yeah like i did i kind of enjoyed the way i did it insofar as i think i kind of got a decent enough product out of how i worked with it yeah and that's it no uh, i can't i can't think of anything to be fair like if it was the same scenario again but like i suppose obviously okay. i've got i've got like different plugins and stuff now that i would know but i'm talking yeah, specifically know, yeah. about like were there Process. is there a problem that springs to mind that you ran into that you were like right that's why that happened i don't want that to happen again again you can say no like it doesn't matter i mean it's awesome if there wasn't but only in terms of no, do you know what? No, I say I'm struggling to think. It was, it was, it was a decent enough. Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> um, no, because again, it kind of, as again, lame and cliche as it is to say, it kind of just came out naturally from me just watching the film and thinking, oh, that could go perfectly there. Yeah, it wasn't a case of, oh, that's going to be a problem with the. Did I message you at all? Did I message you at all about... Because I can't... I can't remember. Because um, I think it all just kind of came quite I got, together like, quite nicely. I got nothing. So, like, I didn't hear anything that you'd written until I was sent the stuff to mix. Yeah. Which, in itself, is... you From knowing you and the relationship that we have is yeah. probably the the best way that it could have gone. Oh, for sure. Typically, you would send me, like, demos for songs. And be yeah, like, and I'd be like, oh, my God, it's terrible. Yeah, 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 right, exactly. Whereas with this, you know, like... You I, got the I finished knew product. that you were doing it and then I just got the finished audio and it mm. was, as far as I was concerned, like, that, that was it. I was yeah. just given what I was working with and so I have no idea if there was anything in between that but I was just under the assumption that you were just happy with all of it because I yeah. had not heard anything to that point. Did you, I think there was were... Was it quite, uh, like, a solo kind of thing? Did you send it around to many other people in the, in the work? There was only one, maybe two people that I sent it to and said, hey, I'm working on this. Does it sound all right in a sort of score sensibility? And they were like, yeah, this is wicked. I've got good friends. That must be... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, must then, be kind of different from, like, the band stuff. Yeah, very much so, because obviously we're working towards a shared goal, like we were saying earlier. There's actually a medium to where the music is going rather than just it being music on it, uh, by itself. But that was that was nice that I got decent feedback for that, and it was it was all kind of it was decent stuff. I was gonna say something I forgot. Um, I think in terms of because it was just a case of me again going back to the to the visuals and going okay that all fit perfectly there, and then hearing what you would put with the audio for it and thinking ah because I was just having a conflict saying do they really want to have that as a guide audio. And me going against the grain and thinking, right, they're going to hate this or they're going to love this. I can't, <laughs> I can't tell which. And it was, I think, all of the problems that I came across was in terms of what you'd used as the guide tracks. Well, I think that's also that that shows like uh, kind of how much the guide stuff um, maybe like something. But it's like a very the personal thing, work. though, isn't it? But that works because I might see the film completely work. different to how you see it, yeah. and you might hear it completely different to how I he- hear it by seeing. It, you know what I mean? Um, but then, so that's like, what I was worried about the most, like because you, you used such a kind of a decent example for a certain scene. I was like, okay, I could do better, but it might sound a lot different. But then, so then as well, like two completely different sounding things can work because yeah. 
obviously when you were editing L, you obviously thought that the temp stuff worked uh, to some extent and at, at least and then uh, and some sometimes better than Jamie's I think but unbelievable <laughs> but I mean I, I think um, in an ideal world I, we did sort of lightly touch on it earlier um, but I, I'm sure there must be somebody out there who does this if I were to edit a film it would be good to have the music before the edits and I know yeah. it's a very unusual way of doing things but I don't know sort of putting visuals to music for me feels more natural than the other way around um editing to silence but then obviously then is that just taking the pressure off editing and putting all the pressure on the composer <laughs> do you know what I mean like, yeah but that'd be something that'd be interesting I mean to, it was quite to fun to work to the story because it was a thing that we got tasked with at university you had to write some score for bits of uh, bits of video and which is obviously great but having it because you can't you know how audio is it's got to be bloody like four four five four six eight it's got to stay within a tempo and if you fluctuate too much it's going to be absolute chaos and so actually having to write it with that frame of visual in mind it was kind of a nightmare but just exciting and fun at the same time it was good to have the stimulus to work from I think we're also partly flexible with the um, with some parts of the edit. If it needed to tweak, uh, there was obviously some bits that oh, yeah. that kind of needed to stay, but some bits could be tweaked um, should yeah. the need should we need to. But I don't think we needed to do any of that. I think you just coped. Was, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, in terms of your visual changes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we needed to switch anything around. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, well that's me out of questions. Well, yeah. that was good. That's me out of answers. There you go. Then. <laughs> Ideal. Do you want to ask anything, anything else? else? Have you got anything else? <sighs> nothing that springs to mind. No, nothing from me. Well, there we go. Well, yeah. let's have, we got, have we got things to plug? <laughs> plug? Plug your pluggables. Yeah. There's a new Redwood album coming out. Go and yeah, pre-order I'm in, it. I'm in the band Redwood. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've just released a song on Spotify. Under the name Candor, it's called Recurring. It's very good. And Redwood have also just released their first single from their debut album. It's called Ate My Weight. Go and check it out. Go and check it out. Recorded by me and mixed by me. And also produced by the both of us, kind there, of. There you go. But music more video by me. Yeah, music yeah, video, music by, video Adam. by Adam Sandy. There <laughs> He's you go. A very incestuous. Producer. And Alistair likes it a lot, <laughs> I assume. <laughs> so yeah. Well, um, thanks for listening and watching. Um, yeah. Cheers, lads. Yeah. Thanks for having us. That's all right. Thanks, Thanks for, for letting me talk about myself. Hamish. No problem at all. Anytime. Thanks for answering, Jamie. Thanks for being here, Adam. Thanks, Thanks for being same, here. Same for you, oh, Al. Thanks for virtually Thank being you. here, Al. Yes, yes. Here in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's a strong ending, isn't it? Is there anything that we actually need to say for no, the No, no. You could podcast? have a more stronger end and leave it. <laughs> <laughs>